Hello and welcome to Do The Franchise with me, Jake. And me, James. And we are on part four of the Alien franchise, um, the lovingly titled Alien Resurrection, which I think is an appropriate title considering they literally resurrected the franchise to milk the cash cow for all it's worth. <laughs> they did indeed. I mean... I we we called it part four. I mean, it, my notes. I've just written A four, oh, and it it's kind of like watching an A four piece of paper be set on fire. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I don't say this very often on this podcast. Probably haven't said this since I don't know, um, Fast and Furious or something like that that we did that was terrible. Um, this is one of the worst films we've ever done. <laughs> on this podcast <laughs> so everybody listening you are in for an absolute treat um oh yeah I, it got 53 percent on rotten tomatoes which i think is fucking that's good i think they did well to get that yeah um it got 6.2 out of 10 on imdb again who the hell came up with that um, and then I quoted you here james i've put um it's only one hour 48 so at least it's short <laughs> <laughs> they should have put that on the film poster. They should retrospectively oh, add that there. Because it, it is a shorter Alien film. It doesn't yeah. feel like an Alien film, no. um, I, even though it has aliens in it. Like, it, I, I don't know. That, it's an achievement. I mean, they've managed to make a film with aliens, with xenomorph aliens, that, <laughs> that doesn't feel like an Alien film. Do you know what I think as well? I don't know how you feel. I, I felt that this had a little bit of, like... Jaws the Revenge about it. And and yeah. we'll talk about that in another episode on another day, probably in a few years' time. But it has that feeling of where you see the xenomorphs a lot in this film, right? So yeah. they're in they're like in boxes, in cages, there's like loads of them. They pan across to them all, then there's a queen, and then there's swimming ones, and then there's ones like walking up walls. Like there are there's a lot of them in the film. And I'm not necessarily saying that I think that is bad, no. but I th I think what it does is it takes away their mystique a bit, and and I felt like in this film, unlike all the others where the alien is sort of shrouded by, I guess budgetary <laughs> issues <laughs> and the fact that it's like to build the tension up in Alien One and even in Aliens and to an extent in Alien Three, there's very few moments where they just give you the whole alien. And when they do it, it's supposed to shock you, like when it comes down from the roof in Alien 3. I don't think in this one there's any sense of dread about them. They've just become sort of inconsequential. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're, they're, they're like the raptors in uh, later Jurassic Park films. They're yeah. not that scary. Yeah. Or, you know, um, I, um, spoiler alert, the, the, towards the end of the film, they do sort of what they do at the beginning of Jurassic Park three where the thing that was once really really impressive and scary they just kill it instantly you know yeah. like in Jurassic Park where the T-Rex just gets mauled you hate that don't you you really hate I, that I really hate that but they do it in this film they do yeah. it in this film films and do it, that a lot <laughs> yeah and I guess it's to try and make the thing that you're creating for this film seem scarier but all you do is you ruin the the 
the existence of the other films by making them less scary, I guess. That's a really good point. No, I think I think you're bang on. I think what, what this does is it's trying so hard to be whatever the hell it is that it takes away the mystique and it takes away some of the tension from the previous three films and it kind of leaves you with a, a sense... I mean... Jesus Christ, what the hell is this film about? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I would like to criticise the script, but I'm not entirely sure there is one, despite it being written by Joss Whedon. I said this. is. I've got literally written that in my notes, James. I've put, this film was written by Joss Whedon, and I just put written, question mark, underneath. <laughs> <laughs> I think, and what I also wanted to say, again, this is going to be such a tangent episode... Well, I know. I I I watched the extended version and the theatrical version, right? Um, right. The extended version is one hour fifty six. The theatrical is one hour forty eight. Um, I, I, I did they can't... use those extra minutes wisely? No, <laughs> I've tried to find what is significant. I think there's just a few bits where they're extended sequences. Um, Mm. And there's a scene, the opening of the film is totally different. So the title sequence in the original theatrical version, I think, is just space, isn't it? And a ship. Uh, yeah. It, am I right? And there's like no, things... I, I think in the, yeah, in the theatrical one, it, I, because I, I wrote, I've written this down. Yeah. It feels like it's a really early 90s film because it's just got lots of body part type things that are being zoomed in and out of. I'm assuming I've seen the theatrical release because I watched the one that was available through yeah. Disney. Yeah, you're so right. I'm it's, guessing, it's, yeah. it's, it's like shots of Ripley being made and cloned and stuff, isn't it? That's what the original, yeah. that's what the first... So, yeah, sorry. So, I'm just going to tell you that. So, that's the theatrical, right? Yeah. Um, in the extended version, it starts with alien teeth, like the mouth of the alien. Okay. And then we zoom out slowly. And what we're actually looking at... <laughs> I can't even read this. What we're actually looking at is a fly, James, a bug, like oh. a normal bug, but it's got teeth and it's really poorly CGI'd. And Great. as we zoom out of the bug and we see it's a bug, a man squishes it with his finger and then tries to get the, the debris of the dead bug off his fingers like a bogey. And... As we zoom out, it's a man sat in the cab of some sort of machinery. He's drinking a takeaway drink. Um, oh. And it zooms out further and further and further and further to reveal that he's on a huge spaceship. And that is the opening credits of Alien Resurrection. And my God, it's shit. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to mock the people because obviously they had a budget and they... <laughs> They they put a lot of effort into like putting it into cinemas and encouraging people to go see it, I guess. But yeah. that sounds like the intro to Red Dwarf. It's worse. Yeah, it's more <laughs> it? more ridiculous than Red Dwarf. Because <laughs> um, the the Red Dwarf intro is just that just them painting the side of the ship, isn't it? Yeah, and it sounds yeah. just like that. Uh, it, and it they is... did that on a BBC budget with a not very good BBC budget. It so, is rubbish. <laughs> this sounds horrible. Oh dear. So, um, Sigourney Weaver in the credits is a co-producer on this film. Yeah, I saw that. I think that's that's probably the only reason they were able to get us to come back because mm. I imagine they gave her a boatload of cash. Yeah, do you want an extra and, credit? <laughs> yeah, and here's an extra credit. Um, and uh, so they, they the film set two hundred years in the future. Oh, was it? I so, missed that. I genuinely yeah. missed that. 
So, so yeah, this is 200 years into the future. So this isn't like the previous Alien films where she's woken up and she's been in stasis for 50 years or whatever it was. They've gone, mm. you know, it's a sequel, so it needs to be bigger and better. So what's bigger than 50 years? They've just gone 200, 200 will do, uh, 200 <sighs> years in the future. And they've grown a new Ripley who looks older than the old Ripley. Um, she's, I mean, she's dead, isn't she? So like, like, just get that out there. Yeah. Like, they literally, they killed the main character, Ripley, in Alien 3, and that was seen as a sort of final farewell. Um, she yeah. falls into the lava, um, depending on which version you watch, with a xenomorph coming out of it or not. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and yeah, that's kind of the end. And it felt final, and it felt okay, and the film wasn't great. And again... Alien 3 struggles to understand the ghost of its own ideas. And this yeah. one almost has no ideas, so it's just throwing shit at the wall. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the, this whole concept of cloning Ripley, as it's if just she's the device. only... Yeah, I mean, they, they, they're, they're cloning Ripley, but this clone of Ripley has a xenomorph inside of it, so that they take the xenomorph out. Yeah. What I don't understand and is not explained in the film at all, is why 200 years in the future do they suddenly decide that Ripley is the only person who can grow xenomorphs? Because all the other films have shown that xenomorphs, not that fussy about which facehugger goes on who. Yeah. You know, also, there's <laughs> no explanation for any of the science. Like you said, why did it take them 200 years to do it? Um, yeah. This is a little bit like where they dug up that king in the car park in Leicester and then they're <laughs> going to bring him back to life with using cloning technology. <laughs> it, it's it's bizarre. And also, like, it, there's no... You said she's not really a, a Ripley. She's a Ripley clone, but she's also somehow a hybrid queen. Um, but she's also got a queen inside a chest, which they then remove. Um, and it, it is literally, um, I think we've talked about this before. Have you seen the, um, I think it's a Key and Peele sketch where Key and Peele, um, they, they go, basically one character played by Jordan Peele walks into a, a writer's room and yeah. they are trying to pen the sequel to Gremlins and they can't write Gremlins too. And <laughs> this very camp, overtly funny character played by Jordan Peele goes into the writer's room in this middle of this meeting and says... We're going to write this bitch. Everyone's going to throw an idea in. The first thing you think of, and it's going straight into the movie. So yeah. everyone around this table, there's like 20 people, throw an absurd idea, like vegetable gremlin, uh, bat gremlin. <laughs> and, they're, and they're all in. Ironically, they are all in gremlins too. So, and it was like that. This, for me, felt very much like they'd done that, where the writers had just thrown darts at whatever they could. And that was what went in the film regardless oh. of any ideas <laughs> like there's it, no logic in any of it no no because i mean let's just break down some of the things that happen within the first few scenes then they decide yeah. that um they're gonna keep the uh the host alive meaning the clone of ripley, ripley and yeah uh, and, and keeping ripley alive it basically means they put her into a slightly see-through bag at the bottom of a well i, I couldn't understand that um then, <laughs> yeah. then, then they do then they discover that apparently she's able to heal herself and she's super strong. Why? Which is also remarkable, by the way. That is more interesting that they've created that inside a human than, yeah. than making a monster creature that lays eggs. Yeah. <laughs> Why bother with the aliens when you've got like a superhuman? I don't understand. The yeah. aliens apparently have genetic memory, whatever that means. <laughs> doesn't, everybody, uh, doesn't all memory sort of 
Yeah. <laughs> that means brain. I don't know. Oh. And, and when that's brought up, the guy who's having this explained to him is as frustrated as the rest of the audience, I mm. think, because you can see. And then the the thing that they don't have face ID, they don't have touch ID, they have breath ID. I put they this. have breath ID. What is this? <laughs> Why? Why does breathing on something make the door open? And what? What? Oh, if you have a really strong burrito the day before, can you not get into your office? <laughs> so I literally put, <laughs> breathing on the wall opens the door. Who the fuck came up with that idea? <laughs> like, if I was in that production meeting, I'd be like, right, we're getting rid of that straight away. It makes oh, zero sense. It um, makes zero sense. And then the Queen, <laughs> uh, formerly scary alien, you know, big, massive, imposing thing, now kept in a box. Yeah, and she's not scary. Like I said to you earlier, it's the raptors thing, isn't it? Like you said, it's the raptors in in Jurassic. It is the 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 the, the Jaws. It's the it's the shark in Jaws Four. You yeah. give it too much screen time, you ruin its mystique. You ruin the peril, and that's exactly what they've done with this. They've just ruined the idea of the. It's not scary by the end. Of, by the middle of this movie, xenomorphs are inconsequential. They mean nothing to anyone. Um, yeah. I always felt that that was the best thing about this creature is that it was genuinely scary and it just came out of nowhere all the time. Um, yeah. I've put another note in this with the bill. This is so good. I've got so many good notes with this. Um, <laughs> I put, I like the man who sews up Ripley getting his face squished against the glass. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I've put, we're introduced to a ragtag crew. Um, of terrible characters with zero development, manufactured purely for alien fodder. <laughs> Literally, that's all they're there for. Terrible. Uh, they, they, they have a, uh, a, a another <laughs> thing that they've nicked from other films where they have a conversation in a kitchen. Yeah. But that the conversation they have here is like it was literally written by two separate people who weren't involved in each other's ideas because mm. the, the the ripley side of the conversation is happening they uh all the other characters are having their own conversation and they're both just throwing lines at the screen yeah and it's word soup and nothing makes any sense it, it, it is yeah and there's a problem i got i've written about the characters in this movie and and like this this gentleman what was that guy's name we totally forgot i've written it down and i've still forgot it um, he plays a bad guy in virtually every single movie, and he is the captain on the ship. Um, his name is... Oh, I'm so disorganised. Hang on. Oh, why is he... How is he not top billing? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Remember, but, Jake, they needed to pay Sigourney a lot of money. Yeah, She's sorry, probably top, top ten billings. They just repeat her name over and over again because oh, they had to pay God. her that much. Uh, Michael Wincott. Michael Wincott plays uh, Guy of Gisborne in Robin Hood. He plays uh, the serial killer in Along Came a Spider. He plays Frank in this, who is like the captain of the ship. We've got... Uh, I've had to uh, literally it, go it's, on it's... IMDb to find the names of the characters because I don't remember any of them. I can't remember no. a single character name. Because we're not introduced to them, Jake. We, you know, we, you know, we don't get people going like in previous films, like, hey, it's Vasquez. You know, we, we don't get yeah. the... We don't get those intros because we're just expect I, this film feels like a sequel to a film we never got do you know like, what that's a really good way of describing it yeah um it's yeah. like a sequel to something that no one's ever seen and no one understands it's like yeah. also like you say we're introduced to this ragtag crew they're like a shit guardians of the galaxy um <laughs> that's what i thought <laughs> when you think about character development right 
Sigourney's playing Ripley clone. She's been told to be sexy. Winona yeah. Ryder plays Anna Lee. She's a robot and she's been told to be stoic. Ron Perlman <laughs> plays Ron Perlman. And he's been told to be angry. <laughs> and then there's this guy in the wheelchair who I think is called um, Varese. Um, yeah. He's just a disabled redneck who just goes rah all the time. And there's no point in him. I don't get no, any of it. No, I mean, he he only serves to introduce Ron Perlman's character, as far as I can tell. And that yeah. introduction is basically Ron Perlman bullying uh, someone who's in a wheelchair. Yeah. I also had a thought about this, right? And I, I really, th- really got to me. Um, so they did the security checks when they come on board the ship and they are literally the worst security checks ever. I think everyone brings something on and it doesn't get detected by these super efficient um, guards. The wheelchair has got a bunch of things in it. It's like a, a Swiss army wheelchair. Um, yeah. And we see a cool scene actually where he takes all the bits out of it and makes sort of weapons out of the bits from the thing. And I like that. And I can, I think that works. And I like yeah. that beat. What I did think about though is wheelchairs and wheelchair access. It hasn't been improved in 200 years in the future. This is still a shit wheelchair that's really (laughs) difficult to manoeuvre. There's no disabled access on these ships. This poor bastard, he's really struggling in this film. And I just thought, hover chair? Like, even the X-Men have got hover chairs. I don't know. I just thought it was very sad. It's almost like they didn't think about that, Jake. They've got interstellar travel, James. Interstellar travel and, and not, xenomorphs. Not for people in wheelchairs. No. <laughs> they couldn't figure out how to make someone's legs work or make them hover. They just, I mean, they, they have what seems like in this massive spaceship complex. Again, we're not given any sort of real idea of how big this ship that they're on is. No. But Nothing. It's got loads of different levels. It's like a theme park. It's quite fun, yay. Uh, except for all the death. Um, then they, they have one elevator, it seems, and then everything else is ladders. <laughs> I thought that when they were trying to evacuate when the xenomorph gets out. It's just yeah. a whole lot of buff men sliding down ladders, like some sort of <laughs> shit army commercial. Um, oh, God. And then there's like a line. I'm trying to think. I've got loads of lines here. Um, I Breathing to open line. the door. We've got that one. Oh, yeah. They said uh, Wayland Utani was the company that she used to work for, and they make like a little pun. Is it in the theatrical version as well? I think it is. Yeah. Because they started and... going about, they're on, they're, they're, they work for United Systems Military, which is basically yep. Wayland again, isn't it? Yeah. But what happens to Wayland? Did you, did you hear what happened to Wayland? Oh, I think, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> it, they don't go into a lot of detail, but. What, what does it say on the... Um... I'm going to tell you, because I really yeah. I can't wait to tell you. It's how excited I am. This is the line. Wayland Utani was bought out by Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> and I just sighed when that line yes. happened. Yeah. <sighs> Jesus. That, that is... That's what this film's done to Alien, really, isn't it? It's... Um, yeah. I, I, I have some good lines. The lines that I liked were... Um, when uh, when Ron Perlman is getting introduced, uh, I thought apart from you know the dropping the knife into the cripple's leg thing, uh, I quite liked his opening dialogue, which is "I am a man with whom not to fuck." <laughs> <What> the... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like who wrote that? 
It's probably a Joss Whedon line because it sounds very Whedon-esque. I also realised... Oh, sorry, go on. <laughs> no, I was going to say that it just seems like it's a completely odd way of saying that. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's so bad. I've got... A, can you hear me? Yeah. I thought I'd lost you. Um, I, I just put a note down, like, less than liberal attitudes towards women, disabled people... Race, <laughs> there's homophobia in there. I mean, yeah. you can really tell this is a 90s film. I mean, my god, it's awful. Um, it, the it's... script is awful, the characters are awful, the lighting is awful, the plot device is awful. Uh, the CGI there is a CGI grenade in this movie, which oh, I couldn't god. get past. Did you see that? Yeah, um, when they are trying to evacuate, when the xenomorphs break out, and he throws the little grenade, and the camera does like a CGI tracking shot, and the grenade's like a bouncy ball going down this corridor before it's it goes ridiculous. down. The Wait, who the fuck? Just throw a grenade. Just get a dummy grenade and throw it down the corridor. Why did you need to CGI that? Yeah. It, it makes no it, sense. It seems completely pointless. I mean, you don't even need to have it be an explosion, like an exploding prop. It can just be... Film, film just a random prop grenade and then do the explosion in CG. It, yeah. it can't be that hard. Yeah. Oh, but apparently God. it is. Um... It's like, and again, I think I read something online, another couple of people that reviewed this film over the last sort of 10 years or so. Uh, they just said, like, what everything in this movie is over the top. There's not one yeah. single bit of it that A, is relatable or in any way normal or, or, or makes any sense. It's, it's everything turned up to 11. Um, and I think that that just screams how poorly made and poorly directed it was. Um, yeah. It's like a bad I... B movie on steroids with everyone just shouting. Can we can we talk about the basketball scene? Oh, I've even written about that. Yeah, when she uh, does a hoop from throwing it behind her for no reason. Yeah. Does that I mean she's know... good at basketball being an alien hybrid? Yeah. <laughs> Do, does does being an alien hybrid clone thing make you really good at basketball? Or <laughs> I, I I don't I don't understand why it's there. Yeah, like being a wolf makes you good at basketball in Team Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> And it's this scene where you you sort of given a really heavy nod and a wink to the fact that uh, Winona Ryder knows more about Ripley than she's letting on. Yeah. And and it's sort of it. Everything's just so heavy-handed. It is. Um, yeah. It massively. And there's no there's no subtlety to this no. film whatsoever. Oh, no, nothing at all. Um, I mean, we get the plot with the illegal cargo, which Frank and his team are bringing on board the, sh the ship. Um, they're cryotubes with people in them, hosts that are going to be used yeah. for alien growing. Um, there's then a really weird scene that I didn't really like where the, that scientist who, uh, he's in Lord of the Rings, it took me ages to figure out who he was. Um, yeah. And he's like kissing the glass. And then he's like making the, he's spraying them with ice spray, making them upset and angry. Yeah. Uh, and then it cuts to a scene, James, where Ron Perlman and the other guys are watching a QVC channel about guns. And Ron <laughs> Perlman says, this show is really good. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> like, is it? It's just this QVC. <laughs> isn't, and while this is happening, isn't Winona Ryder in the background trying to drink a drink whilst wearing boxing gloves? Yes, yeah, she is. Why she got boxing gloves? I thought that as well. I just this this film is so unintentionally funny. It's, there is it's, yeah, 
<laughs> there's another bit when they start escaping later on where uh, an alien xenomorph uh, hovers over the, uh, the, the the red button. He understands the red button means like nitrogen, liquid nitrogen. Yeah. And he just like looks at the button and his little tongue comes out and presses it. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. And I didn't think it was supposed to be funny, but seeing the little alien tongue come out and just click the button made me really laugh. It, uh, and it, it does those things that are, like I say, unintentionally hilarious. Yeah. And then it does, the, the jokes that it tries to land just don't, like um, after the basketball scene, uh, one of the scientists uh, watches Ripley leave and says, something of a predator, isn't she? And you think, oh. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. you're bringing, yeah. There's no, another line don't. like that. I think it's, I don't know if it's in the theatrical, I think it is. It's on the ship when they land. Um, in fact, no. Yeah, there's two lines. There's one on the ship when um, they're getting off, and he sees that uh, the woman whose name I can't remember, who's who's captaining the ship, she's, she's the pilot, and he says, oh, "There's something about a woman strapped to a chair that does things to me." And then he just like, and you're like, "What? What?" And then yeah. nothing, nothing. It cuts. And then later on, there's a scene where he's talking to Perez, the general, and he says, "Oh, who's that little thing you bought on board with the short hair?" And he goes. Oh, she's uh, extremely fuckable. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. Why are you saying these things? What? What? what, what? <laughs> I just couldn't get it. I remember watching it because Natalie was with me at the time and she just sort of rolls her eyes. You know, you're just like, yeah. Yeah. Was every 90s movie this awful? <laughs> I can't, it can't be. Surely they must have made some good ones. But this one just feels like it's an exemplar of, of all 90s Trash. Crap. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I, I just, I'm watching it, and there, there are things in it that make no sense, and then that then the things that they try and make make sense make less sense, and yeah. you you end up like you say they're, they're training aliens by spray, spraying them with cryo uh, fuel or whatever. It's like training cats with a water gun. Yeah. Um. We, and then the. Winona Ryder's character uh, goes to see Ripley after all this has gone on and tries to kill her, but then gets talked out of it. Mm -hmm. And then she gets accused of being a terrorist. We don't know why. Uh, None of the characters know why terrorism's being brought into it because nothing bad's happened yet, except the aliens have worked out that their acid blood melts through the cage they're in, so they've just killed one of the mates. figured nobody thought of that, (laughs) which I like. (laughs) Despite them apparently knowing everything about the xenomorphs. Yeah, they've had two hundred years to study these xenomorphs, um, and uh, and then Ripley works out that her blood is also acidic, so she uses it to escape. Like so I said to you earlier, it's like why not? Like why not? Why not? Why not? Her, her blood, her blood's acid. Would it? Wouldn't it not melt through her normal human like veins? No, don't worry no, about it. Um, don't worry about it. Don't question it. And then breathe, the aliens breathe just... on the lock. Why? Why breathing on the lock? Why not? Why not? It's there. Why not? Don't question it. Uh, and then all of a sudden, after there's been a shootout with the pirates and everything's gone to hell, the aliens are suddenly in charge of the ship. Yeah. And it's never really explained how, because they've just escaped. It seems like there's just a small set of them that have escaped. But then yeah. they're all out, everyone's taken over, and nothing makes sense still. Yeah. Um, I, I've watched it twice, and I must admit, it. there's sort of 50 two and a half minutes of what you would loosely call plot where they set up certain things like Ron Perlman's angry 
Ripley's an alien, there's a thing. And then yeah. they show you the queen laying the eggs. And then there's the bit where they, they sacrifice all the people to the uh, face huggers. And then it's all very clinical, isn't it, at that point? And yeah. then once the aliens start escaping after the acid incident and the little, uh, what I like to call the tongue click <laughs> of the button, um, yeah. people start dying, escape pods get jettisoned, um, shit blows up, and the whole thing just becomes running away from uh, aliens. And I, I genuinely, because I hadn't watched it, I'd watched this and another shit Sunday film, which I watched with my missus uh, on probably Amazon Prime or something, was uh, Deep Blue Sea. And I realised yeah. the stark comparison between Alien 4 and Deep Blue Sea. This film is basically Deep Blue Sea, but in space. <laughs> yeah, basically. And there's even a bit where they have to escape underwater in this film, which they also yeah. do in Deep Blue Sea. I was like, oh, this is crazy. They're like the same movie. They're, they're, they're very, very <laughs> similar movies. But, you know, what Deep Blue Sea doesn't have. Go on. It doesn't. It doesn't have the sharks laying like a breadcrumb trail of guns to try and lure one of the characters into their death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which this film does. This film makes that happen. And if you ever wanted to see that sort of Hansel and Gretel style death of one of the main characters in an alien film, well, you have Alien Resurrection for that. That's it's, it's here, and they do that. I just love not. that. Um, literally, I think. Deep Blue Sea was two years after Resurrection came out, and um, yeah. it's about a ragtag bunch of people that arrive on a thing. There's a sharks in cages that are super intelligent, and they're being kept in cages. And then a shark escapes and breaks the other sharks out. Loads of people die. There's a storm, and then they spend the entire movie trying to escape the underwater prison that's sinking. In this film, it's a floating space prison that's kind of floating away and going to blow up. It it is ridiculous <laughs> and it, oh. it is it is daft um and for a film that is part of a franchise that's well known for quotable lines mm. you know they come at, out at night mostly you know they, they things like that this film has um a scene where ripley just sort of gets up after killing an alien and looks at everyone and says was it everything you hoped for and everyone looks back at her to say, what are you talking about? And I'm also thinking, what are you talking about? And yeah. then she follows it up with, so who do I have to fuck to get off this boat? I knew you were going to say it. Yeah, I know. I, I said to you I, earlier, she's so um, pumped up with sexual energy in this film for no reason. No um, reason. It feels really contrived. And then she literally says that line, which just makes you again roll your eyes and go, oh, God. <laughs> but then... For some reason, there must be one writer in the room that thought, I've got a good idea that I'm, I'm going to make this film infinitely better. And it not, they knock it out of the park when the guy in the wheelchair arrives down the elevator and says, who are you expecting? Santa Claus? I laughed my ass <laughs> off at that. That was great. <laughs> oh, God. If this film was more of that, then this film would probably be top of the tree, but it's not. That's the only time that happens. <laughs> I was thinking as well, yeah, they had seven attempts to create Ripley before Ripley 8. Um, yeah. I wonder if they had seven attempts of making this film before they landed on this piece of shit. <laughs> there's a, loads of different bits, isn't it, where they go to that room and there's like different versions of Ripley in various different um, uh, mutated states. And there's one mutant alien version on a the table they had to kill. Again, this harks back to that thing 
thing we said at the beginning where you just go, um, should we have like alien mutants with tails? Yep, that's in. Should yeah. we have acid blood? Yep, put it in. Should we have um, like uh, angry? Yep. What about a robot? We've not got a robot in this one. Um, what's Renona Ryder's thing? Well, she's sort of a terrorist. Just make her a fucking robot. Yeah. <laughs> that, that comes up. Um, yeah, that, that comes a, up. <laughs> then there's like that... a bit where you go, oh, what we need something for the finale. We can't just have an alien being blown out into space again. What should we do? I know. Let's have the queen lay an egg that's also a womb that gives birth to an alien that's also a human. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, uh, the, the the reveal that... Uh, I don't even know the character's name, so I'm going to keep calling her <coughs> Renona Ryder. The, yeah, the Winona, reveal, yeah. yeah, the reveal that she is an android yeah. also kind of breaks the film because prior to that, they've been through this really perilous underwater swimming through a kitchen scene, yeah, climbing up a ladder scene. Ron Perlman's done this amazing sort of flip over on his back and shoot two guns to kill an alien thing. And then she's shot from the top of this ladder system and falls down and instantly appears at the other side of the door that we're all climbing towards. Yeah. <laughs> Negating everything that they've just been through <laughs> to get there. Ugh. It's so bad. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, and they, uh, there's, there's far too much screaming that goes on underwater. They would have all run out of breath. Yeah, there's a bit where they're firing... Um, I think it's on the ship. I, I was, I'm skipping bits out, I know, but when they're on the ship called Betty... Yeah. Which, again, is stupid. Um, there's a bit where the uh, the corporal is there. He holds a gun, I think, to an owner rider. And then um, the man who they find, um, who's got the alien in him, uh, they just find him, don't they, in the ship. Uh, he's yeah. one of the colonists that's been abducted. Uh, he's then, like, convulsing, about to give birth to an alien. So he gets up and attacks the general, the, the, the corporal, and then... Then something happens to him, and then they one. Then when he gets up, the alien bursts out of his chest, and then Ron Perlman and the others just go ah and just shoot him far yeah. too much. And I realise they're in a ship in a vacuum of space, and they're just firing off these weapons. Oh, <sighs> and then it, 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 they use that as part of the thing later, saying obviously firing weapons is bad. Yeah. Um. They they're more impressed that um they have a robot in their team than they are that Ripley is a clone of a 200-year-old human. Mm. They're less bothered by that, but they're really worried that Winona's a clone, a, a robot, rather. Even yeah. I can't keep it straight. Um, so uh, they, they're trying to destroy the ship that they're on. Uh, Winona talks the ship yeah. by plugging it into her arm. Herself, yeah. And, yeah. and none of that... Well. None of that makes sense until the ship's robot says, please wait. I was like, yeah, robots are still rubbish in the future. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Siri still doesn't work. <laughs> and uh, and uh. then they, they do something that I think inspired future films in this franchise. They have a discussion between a clone and a robot about what it is to be human. And that's the only thing in this film that's remotely clever. Yeah, that's the only thing that's going to layer on to Prometheus next week yeah. when we do that. Um, yeah. It, it, yeah, so that... It, it is. It's one of those really weird, awkward... I just think when you're throwing all these things into the barrel, you can't have tender moments and expect them to mean anything. Um, no. You haven't earned it. You know, we all no. know how that works in films. You have to earn those moments, and you do that through good character development and good plot and 
tension and you actually build up that just just basic caring about your characters. Yeah. If you can oh. go and get a cup of tea and come back in and Ron, Ron Perman's still shouting and blowing a gun at something and then there's an alien falling off of a thing and then someone's climbing up a ladder, no one cares. No one, no cares. one cares. There's no investment. So you just go, oh, right, fancy a biscuit? Yeah, I'll go back in the kitchen. And you're still not you know, going to miss anything. That's what this film's no. problem is. It, there is a tiny bit of not character development, but at least character consistency. Mm. And it's towards the end, the alien finally gets its hug, Jake. The hug that it wanted from the first <laughs> film. It finally gets to hug Sigourney. And it's all so beautiful. And it happens in slow motion. And it doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> why, why is this happening? <laughs> and uh, then then we get the scene where the, the newborn... I believe is what the new alien is is referred to. The newborn yeah. is made because now the alien queen doesn't need to lay eggs. The scientist has some sort of weird monologuing description of what's going on, so the audience kind of has an idea. Uh, oh, yeah, a... Sorry, James, I've got it written down here. Yeah? <laughs> um... Oh, good, good. Because I didn't get it the first time around, or, or the second time. Uh, but, I got a little uh... plot. So uh, Ripley is taken to an alien nest. This is probably what they sent to the studio. Ripley yeah. is then taken to an alien nest where she finds Giedemann, the soldier, alive and partially cocooned, the alien queen having developed a uterus as a result of her genetic contamination with Ripley 8. This gives the xenomorph the ability to give birth to a xenomorph with overtly human traits. Unable to bond with its mother and queen, the hybrid xenomorph recognises Ripley as its mother, so kills the alien queen and Guiderman, and Ripley 8 takes advantage of the distraction to make her escape. <laughs> I just... I was watching this whole thing, and the, the new alien, it's not even a remotely good design for an alien. <laughs> uh, and it, it's awful, and it has these sort of puppy dog eyes that it keeps giving Yeah, Ripley. inside the back of its skull, which is really unusual. It's 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 odd. It's it's like someone basically... If, you, if you've ever watched the cartoon He-Man, and you yeah. imagine what Skeletor looks like without clothes on... <laughs> That's really good. That's a really good description. Yeah, that's exactly uh, that, what it looks like. That's what the newborn looks like, and it's it's odd. Um, Ripley escapes this nightmarish scene though, and gets back onto the ship, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, we get not character development, but just like a tonal shift where Ron Perlman, who throughout throughout the whole film has just been angry, Ron he's, Perlman, he's just angry man. <laughs> He's just—he yeah. he seems super happy to see Ripley, who just punched him in the face moments ago. Yeah. You know, it, uh, you know, he was—he was, he was uh, Ripley was strangling him moments ago, and Ron's dead happy <laughs> to see her now. And uh, I, I was like, "Oh, I thought you were dead." And he said, "I get that a lot." It's, it's not funny. Um, then they kind have of their, funny. Oh, that was kind <laughs> of funny that line. Yeah, I suppose <laughs> it was just—it's just like at this point in the film, though, I was like so ready for it to end. And then they throw the whole hatch is broken cliche, so they have to go and inspect the hatch. Yeah, I wonder what that's going um, to be down there. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not the mechanic here. I mostly just hurt people. Was another good line. I, I, I quite liked as they're trying to fix the. The ship, um, yeah. and uh, we get to see Sigourney do her thing, acting her ass off about the death of the newborn. Just, I can't 
buy it because I don't care about the newborn. No. I don't understand why she does. Um, (laughs) Also, like everything in this movie, the death of the newborn is grotesque, awful, goes on too long, and it's ridiculously uh, loud and horrible. It doesn't need to be like that. But but it's just like there's entrails, there's intestines, there's the the newborn is screaming for Ripley to help it while it's being sucked out of a tiny hole in the window as the ship decompresses. Um, But then as soon as it's out the window and all its bits have gone, uh, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Uh, There's some dramatic music at the end. Um, They they talk about, you know, they've arrived back at Earth. And there's this dramatic... Because obviously that was... Throughout all these alien films, that was really what Ripley wanted to do. She just wanted to go back home. But this Mm. isn't Ripley. This is Ripley's clone. Ripley's got no connection now to Earth. Well, yeah, yeah. And so none of it feels earned. And uh, they even recognise it in the film where Ripley's character says, I'm a stranger here myself. Uh, It wasn't a return to Earth. It was a series of alien moments that never really made (coughs) sense together. You know, there was bits of individual bits of this film that were reasonable. And if you just saw them as a clip, like if someone did them as like a YouTube short, you're like, oh, that looks like a kind of interesting film. Probably really good trailer for this movie. I've never watched the trailer, but I bet the trailer was wicked because there were bits that you could imagine made it into a trailer that looked great. And then there's the film, which uh, even though they have a theatrical release and a minorly improved director's cut type thing that's only given them an extra 10 minutes, none of it makes sense. None of it works. And I'm so glad it's over, Jake. Yeah, I I found some bits about the special edition. It was 2003 when the DVD quadrilogy box set came out. They went back and did all of them, like I told you last time about Alien 3. Um, Lots of things were cut due to budget restrictions. The deleted scenes include references to Newt. Um, Veres making a joke to Cal Ripley's clone wakes up during her operation. There's an extended conversation in the mess hall that reveals the eventual fate of Ripley's former employers, Wayland Utani, which we talked about. They uh, get bought out by Walmart. Uh, extended dialogue between Cal and Ripley's clone in the chapel. Uh, scenes of the Betty landing on Earth. The planet's landscape during the final dialogue between Ripley and Cal. Um, we see a view of the ruins of Paris. The special edition restores 13 minutes of footage, including a new opening and a new alternative ending. And seven minutes longer than the theatrical version, uh, Junette has stated that the special edition is not a director's cut. It is just a preferred version of the theatrical cut. Uh, And the Alien Quadrilogy (laughs) contains a documentary called One Step Beyond. I mean, who cares? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, when they say it's not a director's cut, it's just the cut that the director preferred. Yeah, that's what what director's cut basically means. Um, I thought that. Uh, It it debuted number two at the box office um, and it dragged its heels behind the Robin Williams film Flubber at the box office. Oh, oh wow. Uh, I mean, both films, not my favourite, but I can see that Flubber would do better than this. I'd rather I watch Flubber. Yeah. <laughs> do you want some facts, Jake? Oh, James, that is music to my ears. <laughs> 
Well, I have some really good facts because not only was Alien Resurrection, the movie, a bit of a train wreck, Alien Resurrection, the movie, the game, also did not do well. Mm. Um, and it was partly because um, there's a game inside the film. Do you, do you remember the scene where they see like a, you see like for a brief second a spaceship sort of arcade game? Brief, uh, yeah, I think so, vaguely, yeah. Yeah, so that that vague remembrance of a, a game that you have um, was one of the reasons why the game on based on the movie didn't do too well because the the company that got the rights to do the the game based on the movie were then contracted to make a game that would play in the movie. And they spent about a year making that when they should have been making the game. Um, <laughs> and it only it's only in the film for a few seconds. Uh, but it's a fully playable game that then they had to completely rewrite to just play <laughs> a, a particular scene. <laughs> That's great. So that was a waste of money. And then the Alien Resurrection, the movie, the game, came out and it wasn't great. <laughs> Because <laughs> they hadn't spent enough time on it, Jesus. so so the, nothing in nothing in this part of the franchise worked out for them. Um, it, we, as we've mentioned, it's the shortest of all four Alien films to that point, mm-hmm. um, and obviously after this, Ridley gets involved, so it's definitely the shortest of all Alien franchise films. Mm-hmm. Um, the gaps between the four Alien films steadily decreased. There were seven years between Alien and Aliens, six between Aliens and Alien Cubed, and five (laughs) between Alien Cubed and Alien Resurrection. So they started just pumping these things out because they just wanted money. Um, And in the theatrical release, H.R. Giger is not credited for his part in the design of the Aliens. They only put they only put him in as the uh, in the closing credits in the video release, <laughs> which was pretty mean spirited, I would say, because he's one of the main reasons the franchise is as successful as it is. Yeah, and we've alluded to it all the way through this podcast. But Sigourney Weaver originally refused to do a fourth Alien film. When asked why she changed her mind, apparently she said they basically drove a dump truck full of money to my house. That's brilliant, isn't it? What a great, what a great rough thing to say. That's so funny. Yeah. I mean, I like that she's that self-aware that she knows this probably isn't her finest work. I'd um, read that she... I'd I'd read that they'd pitched a fifth movie um, with Xenomorphs and Ripley, the clone, based on Earth, and um, oh, no. I think Whedon and the studio had gone to her and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed, and she was like, "Nah, I'm out." And I think that yeah. was how bad the ideas were. Like we said earlier, when you can tell with Alien 3 to an extent, 4 definitely, that the entire franchise has run out of steam and they are just churning out movies for the sake of going, look, there's another one, do you want to go and see it? And and we, me and you have had this conversation loads of times. You know, you look at the Jurassic World movie that came out the other year, this year. Um, yeah. You look at the Fast and Furious sequels, prequels and spin-offs and bloody Harry Potter spin-offs and sequels and prequels. Everything is just money. There is no sense of the art. Um, <clears throat> I also found, I know you're still going through your facts, but I found a, a early render, which I might have to put up on the Instagram. Um, for our Instagram. It's a model built of the alien xenomorph hybrid baby. Um, yeah. 
and the original one that they built had both male and female genitalia. Um, so in this picture, you can just see an alien with a little red penis going into a sort of massive vagina on its belly. And it said, and it says, in the, I can't even talk. It says in the thing that they kind of looked at it and they were like, I think we've gone too far. And then they stopped. I love that that was the crux where no. they were like, that's too far. We're going to have to remove the alien hybrid human male female penis vagina wearing creature. Oh my word. That is, that was their line. That was that was the line that they weren't willing to cross. <clears throat> oh dear, Jake. It said, uh, it said uh, <laughs> this is the line I read. Uh, Jean-Pierre Jeunet, the director, uh, said, "Even for a Frenchman, that is going too far." <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. This this film <clears throat> was a film that was made. Yeah, and uh, and it's part of a franchise that we're reviewing. So we, we we had to watch it, but if you've got this far through our podcast, yeah, and haven't realised by now, this is definitely not a recommendation. Oh no, <laughs> not even nearly. Alien Resur- <laughs> Alien Resurrection. Uh, just to, I think, round it off with that because it's it was definitely a slog to get through the film. Yeah, I watched it twice. How do you think I feel? <laughs> That'll teach you to lose your notes. <laughs> oh, God, I know. So I think that, yeah, I'm happy to leave it there. I don't think we need to waste any more airtime on this movie. Um, we no. have... I, I always enjoy these ones because I feel like they're the ones that we go in deep on because... yeah. What else can we talk about? There's no sense of art, like I said earlier. There's no sense of the amazing acting or the nominations for Academy Awards that come out of this because this film is just a stinker. <laughs> it is. It's just. It's just rotten to the core. It's and... deep blue sea in space. <clears throat> <laughs> yes, it is. If you ever want to see that, this film is that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, next time we will be doing. Uh, Prometheus, which is the long-awaited 2012 reboot of the Alien franchise, which is going to be really interesting because originally yeah. it wasn't a bachelor in the Alien franchise. It was just its own thing. And it, it gradually got tweaked into being in the Alien franchise. But we're going to save that till next time and we'll talk about that in the next episode. Um, yeah. But yeah. Get ready to turn your brains on. <laughs> yeah. After yeah. having them completely switched off by resurrection, Prometheus We're turning will our definitely brain. turn your brains on. We're turning them back on. Right. Yeah. See you later, James. Thanks, everybody. See you, Jake. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.